0: The following is a presentation of Genesis. Genesis is a place where you are invited to begin, belong, and believe. To find out more, visit us on the web at genesisthejourney.com.
1: Well, tonight's a, a pretty exciting evening on many fronts. Uh, I love when uh, we start uh, a brand new series, and that uh, is exactly what uh, we're doing tonight. Uh, we did kind of a prequel, if that's possible, in sermon series, um, and last week we looked and asked, uh, a, I think, a pretty challenging question. I hope you will um, wrestle with how you answer this question of what does it mean to live a compelling life? And uh, don't necessarily concern yourself with a definition, but confront yourself with the reality of am I living a compelling life? And um, so I hope you've been, for those of you who are here last week, I hope you've been thinking about that. And I hope uh, because of your relationship with God, if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus... We, you should be the most compelling person on the planet, so, um, and if you're not in relationship, uh, the way that you would have live a compelling life is to know God, uh, to be connected with God. So uh, tonight we kick off a brand new series called DNA, and um, wow, it got brighter out there, so I'm assuming <laughs> something new is on the screen. Um, and uh, this is my friend uh, John Wettstein, let him know you love him. John is uh, a professor at, uh, at Harvard and uh, a doctor at um, uh, the Mass General Hospital, uh, specifically working uh, in the Cancer Research uh, Institute, um, trying to study how to, how to cure cancer. So um, this is my friend John, and uh, I don't really know much about science and DNA, and so rather than try and fumble my way through and uh, Uh, not make sense of anything, I was like, John probably has some ideas about DNA. Uh, So I wanted uh, John to come and uh, just share with us uh, a little bit, certainly, about DNA and uh, to kind of set up where we're going, not only tonight, uh, but in the next few weeks. So, John, DNA stands for what? And
0: pronounce it correctly. Okay. So uh, as you can see on the screen, it stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. Okay.
1: (laughs) All right. All right.
0: I won't even try to pronounce it.
1: Um, What does DNA uh, specifically do? I mean a lot of us are probably thinking DNA is a very complicated uh, thing and so is it really as complicated as it is or is it more simple? So what does essentially DNA do? So
0: my goal is to basically um, (laughs) is to to demystify what DNA is for you. Uh, DNA actually um, is a, a composition of several different sugars. In um, the next slide, you can see I kind of have a little sugar jar there for you. DNA basically is composed of four different kinds of sugar. Um, it's very simple. There's four, and those four simple sugars, their arrangements together, what dictate every form of life that exists on on this planet. And so what they do is they match together. So what you can see is you have an A or a T, those are two different types of sugars. They match together. They're a perfect match. If you have a G or a C, they match perfectly together. And it's that combination which we'll use over and over in different combinations, those four sugars. It's very simple. It's just four. They're tied together with a phosphate ribbon, and that structure that you see, um, and you always see this in all the pictures and everything, came from the following image, which you can see. When they first identified it, Uh, many years ago, which actually won the Nobel Prize, you can see it looks like a an X in the middle with a circle. The circle is the ribbon that runs around the outer surface and what you can see in the middle are basically the, the those sugars hooking the whole thing together. And in the bottom corner you actually see a crystal of that and it's how it's shown. So basically the building blocks of life, these whole building blocks which make up all the DNA that is found in every organism from bacteria to a hippo to an elephant, to you or I, comes from four sugars that are arranged in different combinations. Hmm.
1: Um, I'm sure you've heard of this definition because I have, so if I have, you must have. Um, DNA uh, it has been tagged, labeled uh, the blueprint uh, for life for living. Is that true? And if so, why or how so?
0: So uh, in the next slide, <clears throat> basically you now know that there's combinations of four sugars that make up life. These four sugars will make this long strand of DNA. So if I took one cell from your body and I took all the DNA and unraveled it, I could run it from Earth to the sun four times. So that's a lot of material that's compacted into something you cannot see. And how that happens is all the DNA is wrapped into this thing called a chromosome, which looks like an X. And in every human being sitting in this room, walking around on the planet, they have 23 pairs of these things. And it makes a very nice bundle. Okay, it's a very precious bundle, much like a little baby is a wonderful bundle. And so they're all in every single cell, sure. and it's that environment with those four combinations of sugars that dictate skin, heart, lungs, hair, the whole nine yards. And so if you look in the next picture, you actually get to see them, because you can actually see them when you take a cell and open it up. You can actually see them, and this is just like a, just a regular you know, microscope picture. So you see all the chromosomes on the left, and on the right is actually a structure where they could crystallize it. They could actually show it and see it. So in that chromosome environment, where all those four simple sugars that are mixed up, you have genes. So what you can see in the next picture is if you take all that DNA out, you have a combination. And it's just combinations of those four different sugars, which in this picture you can see are C, Gs, As, and Ts. Somehow the cell has the ability to see it. So what it does then is it transcribes. So the picture above, you see that piece that's kind of coming off the DNA that's open. It transcribes it, it makes a note. Hmm. That note is then sent somewhere else in the cell, and then when it's translated, it's turned into the building blocks or the proteins which make up everything. So that simple DNA has the ability to read the DNA and produce these transcribed notes which are then translated into functional outcome. So the next picture is to kind of illustrate this. If you just look at this, there are four simple letters. J-E-S-U, okay? You look at that and you can't decipher it. However, if you had the ability to read it, what you would end up seeing is that there's actually the most important gene of life. Next slide. And it pops right out. So this is exactly how it works. There are four simple sugars in combination, in the right order, dictate consequence. Hmm. Uh,
1: John has been um, in the science uh, for better part of the last two decades, about 20 years. Uh, he was uh, met a man, I think, in early uh, uh, middle school or early high was, school, right? I was 14, actually. Yeah, 14, um, who was living a compelling lifestyle. And it really compelled John, uh, this man really greatly influenced John, uh, to give his life to studying the sciences. And uh, very specifically, over the last uh, many years, he's been pr- uh, preparing uh, to be uh, working at the Cancer Research Institute, which is, uh, he's doing some incredible, incredible work. It's been fun hanging out at his lab, uh, touching some very expensive toys and uh, things like that. So he lets me hang out with like $250,000 teles- or not telescopes, microscopes. Microscope. Yeah, see? <laughs> this is why he's talking about science. Um, but in all of your, uh, the last 20 some odd years, um, what has this done for you? I mean, when you study these things and uh, DNA specifically, um, is it just random chance? Is it, for you personally, is this to me looks like a, an incredible design, which uh, is there a designer? Is there, or is this just up for random chance? Where, where have you landed?
0: <clears throat> so um, as, as a scientist, someone who every day goes in and hopes to make an impact on something that takes many lives, you're always um, encountering many people who uh, assume that they can figure it out themselves. And um, The one thing that I found as I started in, you know, when I was very young and learned about just DNA in general to today, is that it's so complicated in many ways, in that if you look at it, it's, it's a very compelling dynamic system that, you know, if you were to look at like the inside of a radio or look at, you can see it's very complicated and you know someone put that together. The thing with the way the system works is people are always arguing that, well, it happened and there was enough energy to create the system and the system then continued to get more complex, which is an interesting argument. Um, but one thing I would like to point out is in our alphabet, we have how many letters to spell a few words? How many little letters do we use to say Jack ran up the hill? I mean, many. But there are four simple sugars that are put together to make the whole thing happen. Now, I'm going to tell you the part that I think for me as a scientist, and also someone that has tried to look at it from a perspective of when people come to me who don't believe and say, well, science explains everything, the one thing you have to realize is they've tried very hard to create, you know, the quote bang, this chemical environment that would produce every molecule. So Let me just put it this way. They can do it. They can make proteins, amino acids, things like this, but there's something very fundamental missing. It's the thing that's found in everything from bacteria to plants to us. It's those nucleic acids. They cannot be made under duress or for a big, strong, cataclysmic event. So what does that tell me? That tells me that these simple four sugars, which are found in every living creature on this planet, that in different combinations and different routes, they had to bend their logic. They were written. And so for me, I've fallen on the side that, yes, God created it all. He wrote a language, a language that, as scientists, if we really realize that a creator did write the language, he's giving us the ability to transcribe it much like how the Bible was done. He's given us the ability to translate that and help those around us and make them healthier. So from my perspective, God wrote it all.
1: That's cool. Thanks, John. Um, John's going to be, you can actually, um, yeah, give it up. One of the things that we're going to be doing over the next uh, few weeks uh, as we walk through this series called DNA, uh, I'm going to invite John to come back up uh, periodically. Uh, tonight he gave you just a picture of what uh, DNA and gave you a picture of what of healthy, uh, pure, in its purest form, DNA actually looks like. And uh, a few weeks uh, from now when we uh, talk about sin, uh, John's going to come back and actually talk about uh, what an unhealthy uh, DNA uh, cell would look like and the impact uh, that it has on the organism or us. Uh, and a few weeks after that we're going to be doing a message called Tribal and uh, talking about the importance of community, and uh, when they're not in community together, uh, what happens then. So, um, so John's going to be coming back over the next uh, few weeks, and if you have questions, um, talk to him. Don't ask me any questions about science. I'll just say, talk to John. Um, hey, let me uh, pray, and uh, we're going to take a look at uh, uh, some scripture tonight. Father, you are, um, you are amazing, and uh, what a designer uh, you are. And uh, Father, we just give thanks that uh, there is intentionality in how you created us, how you fashioned us, how you formed us, uh, that there is purpose, Uh, and because of that, uh, we can have significance and value and dignity and worth. Uh, So Father, I thank you that as scripture says, every single person in here has been fearfully and wonderfully made. With great uh, care, uh, you created uh, humanity, and we just give you thanks for that. Uh, Father, tonight as we ask uh, some important questions about who are we, uh, Father, I pray that uh, through your scriptures tonight you would speak. Uh, we believe, uh, God, that scripture is living, it is active, and can speak to the heart and soul of every man and of every woman. So, Father, I pray that you would speak wherever we are. If we uh, know you in a personal way or are still asking that question of who you are, would you speak, would you reveal, uh, so that we would leave this place different. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Pretty important question um, to put out here for you is, uh, what does it ultimately mean to be human? What does it mean uh, for you and I uh, to be human? Our humanity, what does that mean? How would we define and describe what it means uh, to be human? Uh, As I just asked John a few minutes ago, are we really just the result of some chemical reactions and a, a biological process Uh, Or is there intentionality? Uh, Is there a design which ultimately would point to a designer or a creator? Um, If there's not uh, a designer, if there is not a creator uh, to who you and I are, um, we're just objects, we're accidents, we're objects of random chance. And if we are objects of just, we're accidents, we're objects of random chance, uh, where's, where would our meaning come from? Where would our significance come from? Where would our value, what purpose would we have? I've often heard parents, um, as I have kids now, and talking to other parents and, you know, asking about their family, and sometimes there's a big gap, like a kid might be 10, and then there's one who's 2. And uh, they're like, oh, he was an accident. And I was like, huh, really? He's, you call him that? And, um, I mean, you're setting him up for, like, years of counseling and therapy he's going to need. Um, And they're like, well, I mean, he was a surprise. And uh, imagine growing up as that kid knowing that his parents did not intend on him. His parents did not plan him. He was at best an accident. Uh, That would be hard uh, for um, a child to hear. Maybe you heard that. If you did, give me your parents' phone number and I'll have a conversation with them. But if there is no design, I I just don't understand how we could ever answer the question, what does it ultimately mean to be human? Where does significance, value, worth, dignity, and purpose, and meaning, and value, where do these things come from? Well, I believe, and that's why I asked John this question, that our DNA, uh, who we are, points to uh, a designer, a creator, that we've been created with intentionality, but to be truly human is not found necessarily in our cells. is not found in our DNA. Ultimately, uh, to be human is found in two words, imago Dei, which means image of God. So to, to be human, you have to understand one thing, the imago Dei. And if you have a Bible, go ahead and flip uh, open to Genesis uh, chapter 1, uh, the very first uh, chapter uh, of the Bible. And uh, I think I mentioned this before, if you do not have uh, a Bible, we'd love to give uh, these Bibles away to you uh, as a gift, um, and they're in the back, so feel free to take one even now if you need one. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 uh, really answers this question for us of what does it mean to be human? And uh, I'm answering the question right now, and what it means to be human is, is found in Imago Dei, the image of God. Uh, for five days, God has been pretty busy creating and then on uh, day six, uh, on Friday, just in time for the weekend, uh, humanity uh, is about to come on the scene. And if you look at uh, verse 26, it says this. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures, creatures that move along the ground. And then verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What does it mean to be human? Imago Dei. The image of God. The first two things that humanity learns about ourselves is, firstly, that we have a creator. That there is someone who created us. And this answers the origins question of if we don't know where we've come from, we are going to have a hard time uh, discovering where we're going, ultimately what we're doing. But the first thing that humanity learns about itself, themselves, ourselves, is that we have a creator. We have an an answer to the origins question of where do I come from? I come from God. I've been created by God. I've been created for God. And I'm going to God. So in one verse, in verse 26, of chapter one of Genesis, the origins question is dealt with. And what I love about the second thing that humanity learns about themselves is that we have a creator, and then the second thing we learn is that we have been fashioned or formed, we've been created in his image. What I love about this is why this is such good news to me personally is if I have a creator and if I've been created in his image, then I don't have to spend searching... um, God saves me from trying to create or form my own image or form my own identity because he's already given me one. I don't have to worry about my image. I don't have to worry about where my identity comes from. I find it very interesting that the very first thing we learn about ourselves, about humanity, is that we have a creator and we've been created in his image. How many of us wrestle and struggle with our image And ultimately, our identity. God answers that question for us, giving us this information. The first thing we learn about ourselves is that we've been created in his his image. And I really want you to see that as a gift. Because he didn't have to. He could have created you and left you alone. He could have created you and put the image of a tree, of a dog, of some other thing. But when he created you, when he created me, when he created humanity... He said, it is in my image that you are being created. I just want you to know, he did not have to do that. But from the get-go, what we learn about God is that he's generous. And the most loving thing that he could do is to create us in his image. I know it's uh, difficult to, when you're wrestling with what is my image, ultimately what is my identity. And I'm so thankful in chapter 1 of the Bible, our origins is, is covered, is taken care of. Our image, we don't have to wrestle, we don't have to search for, we don't have to try and create an image or an identity because God has given us one. So what does it ultimately mean that we bear the image of God? What does that mean? Well, first thing, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. We don't resemble God in terms of physical characteristics. God, the Bible says that God is spirit. So when it says we've been created in his image, we're not um, uh, physically representing we, God is spirit and we are flesh and blood. So it's not necessarily what uh, uh, we don't resemble God in physical form. Like I look at my son, Tristan, and my other son, Caden, and my daughter, Riley. Now, Kyla would disagree with this, but they all look like me. Physical representations. <laughs> um, so it doesn't mean if as an image bearer of God, that does not mean that we physically look like God. Uh, but what it does mean to be an image bearer of God is that we can represent God. Now, albeit certainly uh, imperfectly and finitely, uh, humanity has a capability to share in what's known as God's communicable attributes, meaning that God is creative, God is loving, God is kind, he's generous, he's faithful, pure. These are things that we can uh, reflect in the way we live in who we are. Uh, John Calvin, who was a theologian from um, uh, years ago, uh, explained it like this: As a mirror reflects the image of the one in front of it, humanity is capable of mirroring or reflecting God back to the world. Humanity, because of imago Dei, because of the image of God in us, humanity is capable of mirroring, reflecting God. Back to the world. So, because our the answer to the question of uh, what does it mean to be human is found in two words: "Imago Dei," the image of God. One of the things that uh, will be uh, very detrimental is uh, understanding who God is. Our view our understanding, or understanding how we relate with God will impact or influence our view of ourselves and ultimately also our view of other people. So. Not knowing God is problematic on many levels. Your view of God will ultimately have an impact, influence on your view of yourself and your view of other people. If you at the core believe that God does not care, that God is indifferent, that God is just removed from his creation, if you believe that God is loving, is not loving, is not generous, is not kind, is not faithful, if you believe these things about God, then at your core, you will ask the question, if he doesn't care, why should I? What you believe, what you understand, how you connect and relate to God will have a huge impact, influence, on how you view and understand yourself and ultimately also other people. If God is faithful, though, if God is loving, if God is generous, kind, creative, forgiving, then the good news for you and I is that we have the capacity created within us to do those things as well. Because that's who God is. And because you are created, fashioned, formed in his image, we can mirror those very things back to a world uh, who is dying uh, and not knowing their image, not knowing uh, what their identity is. I wrote this and I uh, was wrestling with this, but I said, know thyself, that's a famous statement, know thyself begins and ends with knowing God. We will always struggle to understand who we are, our identity, our true image, until we understand God in whose image we've been created. If you really want to know yourself, if you really want to understand who you are, your own humanity, it has to begin with understanding who God is because you have been created and fashioned and formed in his image. The danger, if you don't know uh, your image, if you don't know what your identity is uh, at the very core, obviously we're not going to know ourselves and what will happen is you'll settle for being someone else. If you do not know who you are, if you've not wrestled with this question of uh, what does it mean to be human, if you don't understand your image, if you don't understand where your identity comes from, you will settle just for being a reflection of someone else. And God did not create you in his image so that you would just image someone else, that you would reflect someone else. And that's what many people settle for. They are so disgusted by themselves that it's just easier to be someone else. It might be easier, but it's a shallow existence. It's a very shallow existence when you are just settling to look like and be like someone else. Please wrestle with this question. What does it mean for you personally to be human? And the answer is found in Imago Day that we have been created with God's image. So to live to the very fullest potential of your own humanity, you must know God in whose image you have been fashioned and formed. So if Amago Day, image of God, answers the question of uh, our humanity, uh, our image, then as practically as I can, uh, how do I live? What does that mean? What does it mean for me that I am an image bearer of God? And I've already said this, but you've got to know God. If you really want to know who you are, you have to know the God in, who's the imi- in whose image you have been created. And if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what God's heart is, His character, His personality, the good news is we don't have to look beyond the person of Jesus Christ. If you really want to know what God looks like, then we look to Jesus Here's a few verses from uh, the New Testament it says this. This is Colossians 2, verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. In Christ, the fullness of God lived in bodily form. Colossians 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1, verse 3 says this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of of his being. If you want to know what God is like, you look to the person of Jesus. If you want to know what God cares about, look at what Jesus cared about. If you want to know how does God feel about you, how does God feel about humanity, Jesus answers that question in the life he lived, in the death that he died and in his resurrection. If you want to know does God care about you, does God care about humanity, we don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus Christ. Christ. How can I connect? How can I relate, be in relationship with the God who's in image I have been formed? And the answer again is Jesus. There's only one way that we can know the God in whose image we have been created, and it's the person of Jesus. So to be fully human is to reflect God in whose image we've been created. To be fully human, to be fully alive, fully awakened living up to your God-given potential. You have to know the God in whose image you have been created. And the Imago Dei in us provides us with what that means. If God is faithful, which he is, that means you and I have the capacity to be faithful as well. Why? Because God is faithful. If God is generous then you and I have the capacity to be generous. If God is kind, if he is forgiving. So any moment in your day where you are being creative, where you're being merciful, where you're being generous, forgiving, loving, compassionate, you are living uh, out the Imago Day in your life. Any moment you are creating, you are a reflection of his image because he is creative. Any moment you love, forgive. You are reflecting what you know in the God whose image you have been created. Now, conversely, the, the opposite of that, any time that you are being selfish, self-centered, greedy, spiteful, angry, bitter, hateful, not generous, not kind, unforgiving, you are marring the image of God in your life. And you're actually not representing God. You're actually mirroring God's enemy known as Satan. So any of those moments in your day where hurtful words are flying out, you're not being generous, and the list goes on. You're not reflecting the God in whose image you've been created. So to be fully human is to know the God in whose image that you have been created. It's... Um, it's been said, and I have no idea who said this, but it's been said that image is everything. And you might not like that, but the reality, it's true. Image is everything. I want you to hear it again. Image is everything. It's just a question of which image you're living out. Imago Day answers the question of our own humanity. So image is everything. It's just a question of which image are you chasing? Which image are you trying to reflect? In the um, As I was driving o- over here tonight with Kyla, I was going to have Kyla uh, uh, share uh, as well, uh, and we decided to uh, do a bit of an audible. We're going to break this message up into uh, two separate parts. Uh, but next week, uh, Kyla is going to come back uh, and share with us um, uh, some thoughts, uh, some very important questions of, uh, if I am an image bearer of God, uh, two very important questions. How ultimately should I view myself and how should I view and treat other people? And so next week, uh, I would invite you to come back, bring your friends with you. Uh, we're going to get into answering those two questions. If my humanity is found in Amago uh, Dei, the image of God, what does it mean? How do I, how do I ultimately live? How do I view myself? And uh, also, how do I view and treat uh, other people? Uh, this morning I, was, um, I had a theology uh, lesson with Disney. Um, Disney often has some movies that are very theological. Uh, this theological lesson was coming from The Lion King. Um, and as I was uh, watching uh, some of The Lion King this morning uh, with Tristan and Riley, and they have all their animals spread out all over the place, Uh, If you know this story well, uh, there's a little lion uh, whose name is Simba. And Simba has lost his way. And uh, Simba has uh, blamed himself for the death of his father, Mufasa. What a strong name. Um, And um, he's run away uh, from his tribe, from his community, in guilt and shame and fear. I don't want to make too many correlations here, but uh, you can read into it. Um, And uh, Simba is living in a distant land. And uh, there's a little, uh, I don't know if he's an ape or an orangutan or some monkey looking. Okay, he's a baboon. A baboon comes looking for Simba. And uh, this baboon baboon engages uh, uh, Simba in a very deep, meaningful theological conversation. And um, he asks Simba a question of, do you even know who you are? And Simba stops in and, and his little lion way, shakes his head, and uh, he doesn't know who he is. And uh, the little baboon guy says, I know who you are. Let me show you. And so he takes him down to the, uh, some river, some lake, and uh, he said, look in the water. And uh, so Simba looks in the water, and he kind of shakes his head, and he said, that's just a reflection of me. And the little baboon continues his theological lesson. And he says, "Look again." And then all of a sudden, the image that he sees reflecting back in the water is Mufasa, his his father. And the uh, uh, the look on Simba's face was just one of, uh, "This is my father, in whose image I was created, fashioned in form." And then I don't know how this one worked, but his father started talking to him from the water. This is when it gets a little shaky. But um, Mufasa's voice uh, speaks, and he says this, You have forgotten me, and therefore you have forgotten who you are. You have forgotten me, and therefore you have forgotten who you are. He couldn't answer the question of, who are you? Who am I? Because he had forgotten his father in whose image that he had been created, fashioned, and formed. And then he said something very powerful uh, to his son. He said, you are more than what you have become. Little Simba was living in a distant land, settling for something far less than he was created to be. And I wonder how many of us are just settling for something so far less than what we have created, uh, what God has created for us. You have forgotten me and therefore forgotten who you are. You are settling uh, for something far less. You were created for something so much greater. And then he just says this word and then he kind of fades off into the distance and thus ends the theological Disney lesson. He says, remember. Remember. Remember who I am. That you would remember ultimately who you are. If you are here tonight and you are in relationship uh, with the person of Jesus, the good news for you is that you have been redeemed, meaning you are in right relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. But Jesus has begun to restore the image of God in your life. A great verse I wanted to read from the book of uh, Ephesians says this. Chapter 4, verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. And because of Christ, we have been able to put on a new self, that we've been redeemed. And Jesus is restoring the image of God in our life. So if you know Jesus, the image of God is being restored. And I said before, those moments when you're being generous, kind, caring, compassionate, loving, merciful, forgiving. You're reflecting back to a world who God is because you've been fashioned in his image. Jesus is enabling us to do that. And the reality is, if you do not know Jesus, the image of God in you is completely marred, not lost. But when you come to know Jesus, the image of God is being restored each and every day. So I finished just with that question do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Are you just settling for being someone else? Or do you know Imago Day, The image of God in which you have been created. The world does not need any more people just to settle for just being someone else. You were not created to reflect someone else. You will always be the best version of you, but the best version of you will shine forth when you come into contact relationship with your Creator. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are, Father God? I just um, I thank you that uh, the first things we learn about ourselves is that we have a Creator. And because of that, we are able to say their inhumanity has significance and value and dignity and worth because we have been created with intentionality, with love, with care, with precision. And God, I thank you that the second thing we learn about ourselves is Imago Dei, that we have been created in your image. What a gift you have given each of us, a gift you've given humanity. You did not have to create us in your image, but you chose to. Father, it would be my prayer for myself, for this community, that we would truly reflect who, we've been, who we have been created to be. God, that we would reflect to a world who is in desperate need, to know who you are. That they would see a reflection of you in us. When we're kind. When we're creative. When we're generous. When we're faithful. When we serve. When we give. When we forgive. God, these are all things that reflect you. Because that's who you are. God, I pray that uh, the, your image in us would not be marred any longer, but it would truly shine forth that when people do see us, they would see a reflection of who you are. God, thanks for this gift. Thanks for the gift of life that you've created us, and thank you for the gift that we do not have to search or try to create another image because we have an image, and it's yours. Father, if there's uh, anyone here tonight that is uh, struggling with image, with their identity, with their value, their worth, their significance, their purpose, God, might they know tonight that all of those questions are answered in Imago Day. We have a creator, and we've been created in your image. And we can know you because of Jesus.
0: Genesis is a ministry of Hope Christian Church. We invite you to find out more by visiting our website at genesisthejourney.com.